Hey babes, welcome to another episode of Heal and Thrive After Heartbreak, hosted by yours truly, Alexander Eva May. On this show, we get real about healing after heartbreak and thriving on the other side. I am so excited that this is my very first episode. I don't yet know how the show is going to look like, how it's going to evolve. It might just be me talking on the mic. I might have guests. I'm not really sure. All I do know is that it's going to be about healing after our break, whether it's a breakup, a divorce, getting through that healing journey and fucking thriving on the other side. And I'm not going to say excuse my language because that's what's going to happen on the show. There's going to there's going to truth bombs dropped as well as f-bombs so buckle up for the ride baby now if you are one of those people out there that likes to have a glass of wine while you're listening to your podcast go get your glass of wine right now pour a big glass settle in for the show if you're one that does not drink the alcohol that's totally cool grab yourself a glass of tea coffee water whatever it might be buckle in it's going to be a great ride today are you newly single and starting over do you feel lost and unsure of what's next Are you overwhelmed with feelings of grief and loss? Is the loneliness and emotional devastation too much to handle? If that's you, I've got a book for you. Her Awakening, One Woman's Journey to Healing After Divorce is my debut novel. It's a first-hand account of how I navigated and healed through the life-altering experience of my divorce. Full of heartfelt truths, life lessons, and soul work, this book is your personal guide to seeking the light within your life when all you want to do is fall apart. And it's a bestseller. You can grab it today on Amazon or check out the show notes for the link. I decided to kick off this show in episode one with a heavy topic because I am all about being real and transparent about those heavy topics, those things that have the potential to destroy us. But if you're able to get through them, you are that much stronger for it. So today we're going to be talking all about verbal abuse in relationships. The reason we're going to talk about this today is because it's something I have experience with. It is also something that I believe, I wouldn't say ignored, but it's just not talked about. I think we don't really talk about verbal abuse because it's one of those things that doesn't have visible scars. With physical abuse, there is black eyes, there is bruises, there's visible scars. With verbal abuse, it's all invisible. As well, we're not educated about appropriate interactions and relationships in school. There's no class about it. Possibly your parents kind of never taught you. So it's it's one of these things that we don't actually talk about a lot. And I think we tolerate a ton in relationships that is actually really harmful, toxic, and inappropriate. And if you're experiencing any of the following symptoms or signs that I'm going to talk about today, it's really important to reevaluate your relationship and decide what you want for your life. You were 100 percent deserving of the life that you dream of and you are 100 percent deserving of a peaceful life a life filled with joy so don't settle for that kind of thing don't tolerate it don't settle for that bullshit and if you're out of your relationship or out of your marriage and you're trying to figure out like what happened because that was me right when when I got out of it I there was all these things that had happened and I was trying to make sense of it I hope that today when I go through these different signs it will validate your experience and and validate you in knowing that, hey, I actually did experience abuse. I went through this and I survived and I got out of it, but this did happen. And there is, I believe there's healing that comes from making sense of things that have happened. 
So let's get into it. And before I talk about all the signs, uh, I'm just going to let you know that a lot of these came from Patricia Evans' book, The Verbally Abusive Relationship. It's the book that I read after my split that really made sense of a lot of things that were happening to me. And it might be something that you want to read to help you make sense of what's happened to you or what is happening to you. So the first type of verbal abuse that is important to look out for is withholding. Withholding essentially is when a partner does not share information, thoughts, or feelings. Someone who withholds does not allow his or her partner to have a healthy relationship because they don't let them in to how they're feeling. It might look like your partner, you asking your partner, hey, what's going on? How are you feeling? And they just completely shut down. The next type of verbal abuse is countering. And that's when a partner is constantly argumentative. For example, you might share your positive feelings about a restaurant and your spouse, if they are countering or your partner or your boyfriend or whoever, they will tell you how wrong you are somehow. You love this restaurant, but they come at you and say, actually, that's not the right feeling to have. That's countering something that you feel. And it's countering is just this constant state of being argumentative. The reason it's abusive is because it constantly makes you feel like you have to defend your beliefs, defend your feelings, and it puts you in that constant state of defense. And essentially, countering is when an abuser dismisses your thoughts, your beliefs, your experiences, and your feelings on a regular basis. It could be every day, every other day. The next type of verbal abuse is definitely something I went through, and I think a lot of people can relate, and it's discounting. Discounting is when an abuser denies the victim of his or her thoughts or feelings. The way it's different than countering, countering is just kind of in an arg- a constant argumentative state. Discounting is straight up denying the way you think or feel. If you have heard any of the following statements, you have been discounted. This one I used to get a lot, to be honest. The statement, you're too sensitive. If anybody ever tells you that you're too sensitive or you're sensitive or the reason that you are feeling a certain way is because you're sensitive, they are discounting you. They are being abusive. Verbal abuse isn't always swearing at you and calling you names. It's things like that. Other statements included in discounting are things like you're childish. It would be something like if they make a passive aggressive or sarcastic joke and you don't like it and they tell you, you have no sense of humor. It's a statement like you make a big deal out of nothing. So it's essentially discounting the way you feel. It's taking your genuine, authentic feelings about being hurt over something and making you feel small about those feelings. When an abuser discounts, they deny the victim their reality and they indirectly tell a partner that how they feel and what they think is wrong. And this can lead to someone feeling like something is wrong with them. Another type of verbal abuse is verbal abuse disguised as jokes. Sometimes people will make jokes in relationships that aren't actually that funny. Uh, So when someone says something, even if it's a joke in quotation marks, and it upsets someone, the healthy way to deal with that is by apologizing because someone was hurt. But what someone would do if they were being verbally abusive is that they would make a joke at the victim's expense. And instead of apologizing, the abuser will say something along the lines of, 
It was just a joke. Can't you take a joke? That kind of thing. And it's really important to remember that jokes that hurt are not funny. And if it if it's a continued thing that they're doing where they're continually making these jokes that are not funny, that are at your expense, and they continually say, you have no sense of humor, it's just a joke, that is abuse. Another form of verbal abuse is blocking and diverting. Blocking and diverting is when someone decides which topics are good and appropriate conversation topics. So someone who's verbally abusive, who is using this form of abuse, they might tell some their partner that you're, for example, talking out of turn, you're complaining too much, or that you don't know what you're talking about. Or they might just straight up say, we are not talking about that, even though it's totally a fine, appropriate topic to talk about. That blocking and that diverting, it automatically makes you feel small and it makes you feel like you need to just turn part of yourself off and it does not make you feel safe. Another form of verbal abuse is accusing and blaming. This would be when someone is accusing their partner, their spouse of things that are completely out of his or her control. For example, he or she might accuse you of preventing them from getting a promotion. And they might make up an excuse like, it's because you're overweight. I didn't get the promotion. Something crazy like that. Or they might accuse you of not that they didn't get the promotion because you ruined their reputation because you dropped out of college. They'll come up with some crazy explanation why it's your fault that something's not happening to them or not necessarily not happening to them, but they'll come up with some crazy explanation for why something is wrong to them and they will blame you for it instead of taking personal responsibility and taking accountability for their own lives. Another form of verbal abuse that you might have experienced or you might be experiencing is judging and criticizing. Essentially what this is, is a negative evaluation of someone's partner. A lot of you statements, I put you in quotation marks, a lot of you statements are actually judgmental, critical, and can become abusive. For example, some you statements that might be abusive if they're repetitive or things like, you were never satisfied, you always find something to be upset about. No one likes you because you are so negative. You are this, you are that, and on and on and on. It's really important to know that this judging and criticizing, and a lot of these examples, they happen a lot in the relationship. This isn't just one moment of judgment, which I'm not saying is okay, but it's not just one moment. It's like continued judgment. It's continued criticism. This, you were never satisfied, saying that all the time, bringing it up. You have a bad memory, that sort of thing. And and you have a bad memory that's actually discounting that it falls under a lot of categories in verbal abuse because it's, it's, it's making you question your reality and what you know. But just these judgments and criticisms, when they're happening repetitively in lots, like that's where it gets really bad. Another very sneaky form of verbal abuse is actually trivializing. This is when someone makes uh, their partner feel that what they do is insignificant. The abuser might undermine their partner's work, what they like to do for fun, their activities, their hobbies, how they dress, what they like to eat. And 
the reason that this is abusive is because it makes you feel small. It's a direct and pointed moment where someone that is supposed to love you makes you feel small for who you are and for what you do. And a supportive, healthy relationship doesn't make you feel small. It makes you feel enormous and loved. Another type of verbal abuse is ordering. And this is actually one of the most controlling types of verbal abuse. This is when a abuser outright orders you to do something or to be a certain way. So they might say something like, you must have dinner on the table every night when I get home from work. Or they might order you to not wear an outfit that you love. It's this direct statement of what you will or will not do. And it is incredibly controlling and abusive. And now we're going to get into the more obvious types of verbal abuse. And when we think of verbal abuse, this is typically what people think of. The examples I've provided in this episode are all verbally abusive, but these are the most obvious ones that people think of. So the first one is threatening. And that is a common form of verbal abuse, and it can be extremely explicit. A statement that's threatening might be something like, if you don't start doing what I say, I will leave you. Or it could be more subtle, such as, if you don't follow my advice, others will find out that you are a very unreliable person. So it's kind of a, you can see how it's a bit of a spectrum, but the, these threatening remarks, they completely make you doubt yourself, doubt your reality and doubt the safety of your relationship. And that's why they're abusive. The next type of verbal abuse that a lot of people know of is abusive anger. So really any form of screaming, yelling, particularly when it's out of context, um, is verbally abusive, even yelling shut up is verbally abusive. Uh, I remember one time in my relationship and there was lots of moments of verbal abuse in my marriage. There was a lot and I don't really want to get into them on this podcast. That's kind of between me and my therapist and me and my ex kind of thing. But I'll, I'll use one example. Um, one day I was home and he came home after work and there was a few dishes in the sink or something like that. And I was up in the bedroom and I was lying in my bed and I just hear at the top of his lungs, he screams, Jesus fucking Christ. Excuse my language for anyone who's Catholic out there, but Jesus fucking Christ screams at the top of his lungs and like throws a dish down in the sink. I'm upstairs, so I'm not even in the same room as him, but I can hear that. And immediately I just like tensed up. I felt scared. I felt unsafe. All the things because of that episode of abusive anger. And the last type of verbal abuse that I'm going to talk about is name calling. And this is the one that most people know. And this can be explicit or subtle. That Like a lot of verbal abuse, it can be right there in your face or very subtle. So explicit name calling can be when the abuser calls the their spouse or their partner names such as, and I'm going to say some awful names, so cover your ears if you don't want to hear and if it's triggering, but um, names such as bitch, slut, um, the C word, I don't even want to say it. Um, they might say, fuck you, that kind of thing. And it's very in your face. And I guess <laughs> F you is not a name, but uh, maybe that falls into the category of explosive anger. Uh, but it, it feels 
like an aim almost. Uh, and they're extremely hurtful. The more subtle kind is when the abuser says hurtful comments to make you feel small. It's things like, you're such a victim. You think you are so precious, don't you? That kind of thing. And I do want to say, if anything I've said in this episode is triggering or it's really resonating with you, I'm so sorry you went through that or you're going through that. I'm sorry. And I just want you to know it can be better. It can. Are you heartbroken and sick of it? Have you tried all the things and all the strategies, but you're still suffering after your split? Or are you newly single after a breakup or divorce and just don't even know where to start on this healing journey? Don't worry. I got your back. Check out my Instagram or send me a message in my inbox to find out about current courses and coaching where I hold your hand through this thing and give you targeted strategies to help you heal and step into your next chapter as the amazing, powerful woman that you are. Find me on Instagram at the Alexandra Eva May. There are other um, signs of verbal abuse. There's other types, but those are the ones I'm going to talk about today. Now, maybe... This has helped you validate, like I said earlier in the episode, validate your reason for leaving your marriage or for ending your marriage uh, or ending your relationship. Um, Maybe it's bringing you some sort of um, understanding of what's going on in your current relationship. There could be a variety of things going on in your mind right now. I want to get into a little bit of the effects that this type of abuse can have on people. So this is for those that have left to validate you and the fact that you have helped yourself possibly avoid some of the things I'm going to talk about. Or maybe this will help someone come to the conclusion, this relationship is not healthy for me. This marriage is not healthy. We need to end this because I don't want this to happen to me. So here are some of the effects that verbal abuse can have on a victim. It can erode, completely erode your self-esteem. It can leave you feeling like you're walking on eggshells. It can leave you with a pile of self-doubt. It can leave you wondering, is there something wrong with me? Or straight up thinking that there is something wrong with you. I was told that in my marriage, I was told that there's something inherently wrong with me. And that became a narrative that I told myself for years after my marriage ended. The The seeds that had been planted in my brain were, they had taken root and they were incredibly hard to dig out. So I didn't just think, is there something wrong with me? I straight up thought that there was something inherently wrong with me. And it took a long time to get that statement out of my head. And I really wish I didn't have to go through all that. Verbal abuse can also lead to serious mental health issues or mental illness. So it can lead to things like depression, anxiety. After my split, I went through a really dark period of depression and for a long time I attributed it completely to my divorce. Once I went through therapy and along my healing journey, I realized, hey, a lot of my depression was actually due to the trauma that I had sustained in my marriage from different episodes of verbal abuse. So it completely destroyed my mental health and anybody listening out there that's been through it, um, verbal abuse or that's going through it, it could be wreaking havoc or it could wreak havoc on your mental health. So it's really important to know that that can happen. And for me, my depression included suicidal ideation, which was the darkest time of my life. And I don't wish that on anybody. 
verbal abuse can actually even lead to decreased cognitive function. So it's actually been discovered that abusive relationships can affect memory, can affect conversation skills. It can literally change your brain. Beyond just talking about the signs and symptoms of verbal abuse, I think it's so important to talk about the healing from the whole experience. So if you have been in a verbally abusive relationship or marriage, the healing journey can be tough. I know what worked for me, number one, and what works for a lot of survivors of abuse is therapy. So if you haven't yet been to therapy and you've been trying to tackle this all on your own, that's amazing. Like you're trying to be strong, but I want you today to get online, find a therapist and go. And I would specifically search for a therapist in your area that works with uh, survivors of abuse, works with relationship issues. They could probably be best at helping you during this healing. So number one for sure is therapy. Number two, it's really important to remember as you're healing that the abuse that you experienced was never about you. So early in this episode, I talked about how I had this narrative in my head that there was something inherently wrong with me. And that went on for years and years. For years of my healing journey, I made the abuse about me. And what was really wrong with what I was doing was when he said that statement to me or anything else that he said to me, it was never about me. I could have been the most amazing person on the planet. And, you know, I think I'm pretty great, (laughs) but like, I could have been the most amazing, perfect person in the whole history of the world. And he still would have been abusive. It was never about me. There was nothing ever wrong with me. It was always about him, always about his insecurities, always about his his issues. And as you know, that what they say, hurt people, hurt people. And he was a hurt person and he had never healed or addressed that or done any of his own therapy or any of the things that he needed to do. So he took his hurt out on me and he hurt people. Not making excuses, I'm just explaining why. And his abuse, my victimhood was never about me. It was always about him. And when I realized that, I took a lot of the power back. And it was easier when I realized that to take these statements that were in my mind that I held dear and dear to my heart as truths and say, hey, these are all not true. These are completely untrue because this was always about him. None of this is about me. None of this has any bearing on who I am. And I can't believe I even believe this shit for as long as I did because it's total. it's not true. But that's the thing with abuse, right? It's told to you enough or it's done in such a way or it's very traumatic as well. So it can be burned in your to your brain. So like I said, the second thing to remember, it's not about you. It was never about you. And it was always about your abuser and about their insecurities and about their pain and them taking their pain out on you. Another tip on your healing journey is to remember that someone else's pain, like I was just talking about my abuser's pain, someone else's pain is not my responsibility. And it was never my responsibility to fix him and to help him get better and to help him not be this way. That was never my job. And I think a lot of people, once they leave an abusive relationship or marriage, they might still hold some guilt like, oh my God, I can't believe I left him. He needs me. I know, I know I can help him get better. I know I can. No, 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 no. I think it was Julia Roberts who said women are not rehabs for injured men or for hurt men. We are not there to fix them. We are there 
as their partner, as their spouse, we are equals. We are there to love each other. We are not there to be fixing anybody. So I think it's really important if you're healing, remember it is not your job to fix your ex and it was never your job. And I think when we remember that and acknowledge that we can move past the guilt we might feel for leaving, you know, leaving them in their time of need. No, 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 never, never, never. (laughs) That's not your job. Another really important thing to remember while you're healing is something I heard from a therapist and they said oftentimes with abuse, number one, couples therapy typically doesn't work in abusive relationships uh, because first of all, the victim might not be honest about what's going on. Second of all, if they are honest, they might get punished later, that sort of thing. So if you are feeling any kind of like guilt about the fact that you didn't go to couples therapy, I want you to know right now that it probably wouldn't have worked. Okay. (laughs) At least with this situation in regards to abuse, or it might not have worked. Okay. Um, But number two, for abusers to stop being abusive, sometimes it takes really targeted therapy for a very long period of time. And even then they still might not change. They might change for a little bit, but long-term it might not even work. So if you're feeling at all those feelings of regret or feelings of if we had just gone to therapy or if he had gone to therapy, it would be different. I just want you to put that out of your head because the chance of that happening is actually quite small and you shouldn't be holding on to that kind of idea because it really gets in the way of you moving forward. Another tip for your healing is to treat yourself with ultimate kindness. You went through something awful, something horrible, and it's hard to heal from and it's going to take time. It's going to take work. It's going to take therapy. It's going to take tons and tons of self-care and it's going to take a lot of kindness and self-love and acceptance. What that looks like is on those nights when you're going down the rabbit hole of saying these statements that maybe your ex used to say to you. That's what happened to me. I was my worst abuser after the relationship ended because I was verbally abusing myself in the evenings when no one was around. Like there was nobody there telling me these things anymore, but I was saying it in my head constant. Like I was, I was my worst enemy. So if I had just treated myself with more kindness and the same level of love I was showing to my friends, I would have loved myself a lot more than that bullshit. I wouldn't have been sitting there telling myself how wrong I was or inherently wrong I was or how much of a bitch I was or any of that stuff because I would never say that to the people I love. So I think a really important thing to remember is treat yourself and talk to yourself with the same level of love that you talk to the people in your life that you love. My next tip is to let people know what happened. And I'm not saying you have to tell them all the nitty gritty details, but just give them kind of a bit of an insight into what you were going through it will help them understand you better and and help you understand triggers, your triggers or your trauma. Um, So I had triggers for years after my verbal abuse. My trauma was pretty, pretty intense. (laughs) And I'm really happy that I shared it with my, my people. And eventually years later, when I got in a relationship, shared it with him because sometimes things would trigger me and he was doing nothing wrong, but like it was so deep in my brain. But he was very understanding because he knew why that was happening. And so I think, and I'm not talking about dating at all. Like, let's not get into that. But (laughs) I just mean, you should be letting your friends and your family know so that if you do have a trauma episode, if you do have a trigger and you kind of lash out or you react in an extreme way, you feel the need to hide, 
you feel the need to, you know, shut down or whatever it might be, they'll be more understanding of why and they'll help, you know, pick you up if you're in that place. Another strategy that really worked for me was to write out every single incident of verbal abuse that I could recall, that I could remember. There's a few reasons why this exercise was super helpful when I was healing. Number one, I found after the relationship was over, after the marriage was done, there were so many times I would go down that rabbit hole of regret that I would look at the past, my past marriage and relationship with these rose colored glasses. I'd be looking back and I'd be, oh, it was all, I would think in my head, it's all sunshine and rainbows. But when I actually looked at the list, no, it wasn't sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, there was probably sun, there was sunshine and rainbows, but there was also fucking bullshit and storms and this nonsense. And so having the list really helped on those nights when I was so sad and missing him because I would look at him like, what am I missing? Like, why would I be missing a man that spoke to me like this? And why would I ever want to be with someone that talked to me like this? And that made me doubt who I am, made me doubt my self-worth, made me doubt that I'm even worthy of like being here. Why would I want to be with someone like that again? You know, I've, I've gotten out of it once. Why would I ever want to go back and be there again? So it helps in that way. It also helps. Here's what I did with the list beyond that is I would one night I, I sat there and I read each statement in a logical fashion <laughs> and I said out loud why it was not true. So if your ex called you a bitch or whatever, you say to yourself, I am not a bitch because I'm a beautiful badass human <laughs> like, like you know you you explain why it's not true or if he said things like that outfit makes you look slutty that outfit does not make me look slutty that outfit makes me look like a queen I found this exercise extremely therapeutic it made me feel so empowered I took back the statements and I g got rid of them and I totally changed the narrative and you know, throughout the exercise, there was times I felt so angry, angered, <laughs> angry. But by the end, I just felt so powerful. And by the end, that paper, I had crossed out all the, the verbal abusive statements. And I had even like torn, I think, torn up one of the pages because there were a couple pages. And by the end of it, I actually ended up burning it all at the end after I did the exercise. And that was just this moment of just, I am coming into my power Yas queen, I have arrived and F that guy. <laughs> and my final note about healing after verbal abuse, it's not going to be a straight road and it's, it might not be a short journey. It might take you, it took me a number of years. I'm still, even today, like five years later, once in a while stuff will come up and I'll, I'll, you know, have to work through it, go to therapy, but it can take a while to heal from it. It can, and it, you could feel like you're healed and then end up back at square one and that's totally okay it's all part of the journey I do want to say though it does get better it will get better with time and just keep healing keep doing the work keep going to therapy and you will be surprised at how you can heal and take your power back and know that it won't it doesn't have to be this way and it won't always be this way and you will heal if you have ended a marriage or relationship that was filled with verbal abuse good job kudos to you. You have prioritized your health and safety. If you're currently in it, I know how challenging it can be to decide that this isn't the way you're going to live, but the 
possible impact of this abuse on your health is really serious. So you really need to reflect on what you want your life to be. And I just want you to remember that you are worthy of a happy, healthy, and joyful life. I want you to remember that you can change your path and that the future can be anything you want. It really can be. Things can be different and you just deserve peace and happiness on your journey. Thanks for listening to the episode. I love connecting with listeners. Please, 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 please feel free to slide into my DMs, connect with me, say hi, send me an email, all the things. You can connect with me on Instagram at the Alexandra Eva May. You can find me on Pinterest at the Alexandra Eva May or on Twitter at Alexandra Eva May. And while you're at it, make sure to pick up my new book, Her Awakening, One Woman's Journey to Healing After Divorce. It is a bestseller. It's all about my journey to heal after divorce and how I healed and thrived. You can grab it on Amazon or you can pick it up on my Instagram. The link is right there. 